I think you are totally off base on that. I completely disagree. You make a good point. You know what? I agree. So, you know, I was looking for a hop and I love music. It's like one of my favorite things all time, all time. And I just happened to be in Ireland and I was walking past the store and I see a hop and I was like, a hop in Ireland. What are the chances? Hey, how are you doing? Welcome to Dice Drinks and Discourse. I'm Jesse. Is that how, is this how you felt last week when I did my yes. bullshit? Okay. This is purely to get back at you for you last know, week. You know, that's fair. I'm Billy and welcome to the show. I, you know, I, that's fair. It's very fair. I'm, what the fuck is a hop? A harp. Oh, a, oh, a hop. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. I, that's I, the I, whole point. Like, are you looking at a rabbit? Are you looking at a single <laughs> grain or like a, a, a thing of wheat for, for making... You know, beer? I, I don't no, know. Okay. No. Right. We were talking about a harp. Yeah, a hop. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it down to the shore, you know, get a little, get a couple of Branzonis. You yeah, know, I, I thought I, that I, was I went fitting. Jersey Shore to Philadelphia. Never I, I thought that was very fitting to get back at you for last week's atrocity. It, it definitely, atrocity. It's <laughs> a, a, a critically acclaimed and critically panned film. It's great. And, and, and critically acclaimed book. It may, you know what? You're, it's fair. That's okay. So. Uh, welcome to the show. I hope. I hope that was entertaining. <laughs> I was certainly entertained. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm making it. I'm doing uh, my best. I, I got nothing. What's up with you? What are you, you, you workaholic uh, over here? Yeah, I am. A, tell me that again. Podcast. Workaholic. Job. Moving. I, I told you again. Um, yeah. Oh, have you t have we talked about that on the podcast? No, we? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm moving. Uh, big news. Uh, because most of the bars in my area are either shut down or full and they don't need help. I'm taking a chance in Texas and moving down say, there. The best place to go. And <laughs> you need to have a bar open for employment in, in America during a pandemic. That's Texas, baby. Texas. Uh, no, I love Texas. I'm, I'm really happy for you. And I yeah, hope, I hope well, you I'll, hopefully find we'll find success and it'll be super fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, where you're going is a, is a great place. I, yes. I'm a big fan. Um, uh, but yeah, but no, yeah. that's great. Uh, but and also, in the meantime, you're still kicking ass and, and working and stuff. So yeah, I'm working at the comic book store, and I'm still making delicious cocktails. All right, well then, let's give it a shot, shall yeah. we? All right, cheers. I, I, I already want to have cheers. Oh, cheers. Oh yeah, no, this is this is really nice, and yep. so I love the presentation on this. It's got a. A nice cloudy or red red hue it to looks it looks like a watermelon because it tastes oh, yeah. like you're sticking a straw in a watermelon mm -hmm. um and what alcohol does yours have in because yeah, i know because yeah because yeah. mine does not but i can easily see how that could uh pair well with, with a little bit of rum in it that's really yeah. good what's this one uh what's this one called so this is called a watermelon no hito mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. mine is a watermelon mojito and by the time I send out the email, I will have a clever name for it, but right now I do not. That's fair. You know, sometimes we uh, we can all it's what it's what it happens. It is what it um, is. But it's very descriptive. It's a good descriptive yeah. name. Uh, watermelon nojito or mojito, depending on your use of alcohol. Um, it's yeah. tasty. It's tasty. No, I yeah. I love watermelons. I think it's one of my favorite fruits because it's just mostly water. But like, <laughs> it's a delicious <laughs> but texture. It's tasty water. Yeah. No, it's 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 tasty water. Um. It, it's got that nice i can god i almost want to try this would be weird like freezing watermelon cubes and then like putting them in this get a little that bit would like, be, that would be definitely because they'd be ice it, yeah. would be, it would be pretty much like an ice cube but like you could eat the watermelon at the end you get the hints of the mint and the um and the lime definitely mm -hmm. yeah definitely it's it's very it's it's subtle enough that it's not uh, overwhelming. This is definitely an improvement on our last mojito. Yes. Um, well, you know, it, the Juliet emojito was. It was a it was a good concept. It, we just needed to strain it, and we didn't do that because the I don't know why. The recipe didn't tell us. To yeah, strain it. and we are we are slaves to the recipe sometimes. But that's that's why we gotta branch out sometimes. That's the, <laughs> that's the exact uh, improvisation is the key to any good D and D game and any good drink if if it calls for it. Go by the plan if you need to, but don't be afraid to improvise. Oh, and I have plenty more of it, by the way. If you need okay, good. No, I'm. Glass. I uh, I I may take you up on that. Yeah. So, 
what are we doing today, Jesse? Because we've talked about it before, uh, our yeah. plan for today. But let's, you know, what's the... What's yeah, the... we're not talking as much about the drink because of the fact that we've got... We've got a lot to do. ...quite a lineup today. And yes. I do mean a lineup. A literal lineup. Um, we have talked before about doing a showcase of some of our characters that we've created in mm-hmm. the past, and that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's a. Uh, I don't. Did we do this? Did we talk about that on, on air when I realized? No, it was after. No, we, it was off air that we talked. When about you it. said that on the podcast, I didn't ask you about it afterwards. I thought you meant every subclass, and I was just like, "Ha ha, yeah, that sounds fun." And then after, just the whole time, I was like, oh, "How am I gonna do this? That'll be so many characters," and I'm like. I can do it. I just and then the other day, you know, a couple weeks ago, when you said, "Okay, no, it's just one, one per class,", class. Yeah, I was like, "One per class." Oh, thank God! But it was <laughs> funny because I still found that I had a couple of characters that I rather I had a couple of classes I had just never made a character for. Really, um, Ranger and uh, Artificer were the two. So I, it, it's yeah. definitely going to be one to like r- for us to really dive into because mm-hmm. some of them are NPCs that either I made or you made. Mm-hmm. Um, we each made 14, by the way. Yes. So um, I think what a good way to go about this is to I mean, start, even if we end up going a little bit long, but that, yeah, we'll see, um, is to talk about like our general character creation process. Like yeah. what goes into us making a PC versus making an NPC as a DM or like what just generally speaking you know what what goes through our minds for that and then talk about each class as it you know it pertains to those specific characters this is gonna be a bit of a repeat for those who have listened to us all the way through because we are talking about classes again we're not actually gonna get into the actual mechanics of any class unless we want to unless we want to (laughs) uh but there we no will rules. be talking about uh, the role-playing elements of each NPC, uh, and we will be talking about the uh, and all of the stuff we talk about in character creation. Don't forget to kind of like go back and look at our uh, episode two, I believe it was. Yes, I think that's when we were talking about character creation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to get a little bit more in depth on how we make uh, certain character decisions and how we talk about. Um, each individual class feel free to check out our previous backlog backlog of episodes yeah um yeah so what do you what what go like i guess the my question is like what's what for you is the difference between an npc and a pc okay so an npc not like literally i mean we could well yeah no so the def to help anyone out there who's just kind of tuning in, who doesn't really know about the world of D and D. That's very mocking. That's what we're here for. I, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I, kidding, I, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just doing a voice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. PC stands for player character, and NPC stands for non-player character. Mm-hmm. So a, a PC is a character that you play as a player in a campaign, where the dungeon master plays all of the NPCs. Yes. Um, and, so, and yeah. the answer to you, yes. in terms of NPC versus PC, mm-hmm. is backstory. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, when, for me, I'm making a character and I'm going out of my way, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to make this character. Uh, I think about the mechanics that I want to use when I'm working as a player character. Mm-hmm. When I'm working as an NPC... I'm thinking about the backstory. What is the character's backstory? And I figure that out, and that leads to the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what's most the, what's most different between an NPC and, an, and a PC is, excuse me, that the PC is the character that's going to be with the campaign the entire way through. You're going to see everything that they no most things that they do, and follow them for a long period of time. You may see you have a you may have a recurring NPC, but they're going to be off doing their own thing or only around certain instances and scenarios, and that's up to the DM to decide what happens during that downtime, which yeah. can be very different. I mean, I you know once had a and I once I mean recently had a PC level up about three times I think in between sessions just because it it I had a whole thing planned out. And what's interesting to me though sometimes sometimes I won't even I'll make a lot of npcs as if i'm making pcs and think about like okay if they were part of a party or maybe they are part of a party what their arc's gonna be like where they're gonna go what they're gonna want to do but sometimes i just won't even have a stat block i'm not i'm not gonna i don't want to <laughs> give my hand away but sometimes i'll just be like i can't make a stat block for every character well, so that's i'm just why gonna they're in the monster manual yeah. and the other books and like volo's guide has more and because of the fact that npcs are npcs we yeah. don't have to because of the fact that we have so much to worry about as a dungeon master or a game master, 
that it's the type of thing where that's why we have pre-made stat blocks for yeah, characters. Yeah, having, having pre-made, like, guards or, like... The only thing I don't mm-hmm. do is spells. Each character oh, okay. has individual spells. No matter what, I never stat block a spell. Okay, gotcha. I... I I just do whatever I, I can in the day, whatever I, I have enough prep time for. Um, if it's, like, a common villain, like, a, like the... Um, one of the cult members... Mm-hmm. Then I'll use the stat block, but yeah. if it's an NPC, like I'm going to be playing this character at some point, mm-hmm, right? As a DM, they will have individual spells. Gotcha. And that's and that's uh, you know sometimes I've I've done that a lot depending on the severity or the the danger of the uh, enemy combatant. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So for anyone who's wondering about uh, the idea of like making the characters and going into it, like I said, I basically think about a character's backstory how they're fitting into the player character's story mm-hmm. and i'll build a character based off that i will pick their race uh mm-hmm. and their uh and by saying that i'm referring to their ancestry and their mm-hmm. culture um because yeah. that's the code that that's the, how i go about it nowadays yeah, and i also think about their class their subclass mm-hmm. and if they would multi-class in any situation it's a lot easier for me to multi-class NPCs because I don't. I. I, I it doesn't matter if they're uh, <laughs> if they're suboptimal because I can just fuck around with whatever I want them I to be. I had a huge argument. This is completely off-topic, but I had a huge argument the other day mm-hmm. about uh, the concept of playing suboptimal characters. I think it's great. I think it's, you should do it. You should do it. If you like a character, then fucking go for it. I mean, you know, like. I, I will. I will. You tend to harken back to Critical Role because that's kind of the, the, the one I follow almost closest. But like, some of the most memorable characters are in terms of quote unquote suboptimal. I mean, uh, it is just like they're the most memorable characters, the most interesting to follow, and have some of the most interesting developments. Like, uh, for Campaign One, Vax. I'm you know I'm not going to ge- go into exactly what happened. But, you know, for sake of spoilers, but, like, he's an incredibly memorable character because he is not an optimal rogue. He makes certain decisions based on the story, and it feels a lot stronger because because it makes sense. Because it, it, it you can pinpoint exactly what moments in the story correspond to, okay, that ability or that change in the character. So I think you should never – and there's a great um, – I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the creator Ginny D. No, I'm not. I love her. She's great. Um, she had a great video about why you should make suboptimal characters, uh, because it, it it was it was. I highly recommend you check that out. check I that video definitely out. Definitely will. Um, and the rest of her content because she's great. But like, <laughs> don't be afraid to say, okay, my stats are bad in this area. I'm gonna make that part of my character because that's, nobody's perfect. You gotta, yeah, you know, the, as the as the good Lord says, nobody's perfect. That was that's always been something that I've kind of struggled with. And like you've been firsthand at this. I've made you pick a suboptimal stat. Yeah, well, I've made no, and you I pick a dump stat because I also struggle with this too. Because I want my characters to be, you know, good at what they do. Now, when when I, I did roll pretty high, and that's but I I completely understand why because yeah, I should I made have you t- change a twelve to a nine exactly. And that's and you know that is. It works. It ended up working well for the character anyway, and I think it makes it a lot more well-rounded. Because the way I see it is, I want my character to be. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I want my character to be. If I'm a PC, I want my character to be good at what they do. Like if if they have a specific thing that the that their role in the party is, I'm gonna do this thing. Like you guys can count on me to do this thing. I want them to have the best chance of doing that thing. So a barbarian, I want him to have as high a strength and constitution as possible, or she. Um, so that they can fulfill that role because I yeah. don't I don't want there to be because if if my character isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing or isn't doing what they're supposed to be good at doing, then like there's it a weakness. Feels, in the, you feel lackluster. And it, and it can be a weakness for the rest of the party. I, yeah. I, I try to, you know, skew it to a more selfless kind of where <laughs> I, I'm doing it for the sake of the party. because I, if, I No, because if you're a tank and you and you fuck <laughs> up and you if you if you're a tank and you give yourself an eight constitution, you're going to die before you do anything. And then your whole party's well, going to get killed. To be honest, if anyone gives themselves an eight constitution, <laughs> they done fucked up. It's. It, you know, you it can be a choice. It can be conf- a choice. The, like, <laughs> even like I have a player at the moment who has given himself a terminal illness. Yes. 
but we haven't lowered his constitution right. because constitution is never your dump stat. I, I, I will say I agree. And shout out to my boy Curtis for his backup character is playing a sickly old gnome who had an, a nine, I think, or a, no, he had a 10 constitution. Now it was new. It was, you know, in the middle of the road, but like it, it, it was fun. It was fun to see, uh, a wizard with a low con. Um, also, shout out to to Nico who left a very nice note on our Instagram. Thank yeah. you, Thank um, you Nico. miss you, Nico. You're great. Uh, who had a, a, a relatively low con, uh, and things happened in regards to that. But <laughs> it was fun, and everything yeah. is good. And I highly recommend nobody uh, just to, don't dump con. Uh, don't dump con. With, with with some dings going on. Sorry about that. Uh, I, we uh, are going to move on to this at showcase now that we talked about the See, it's normal I, I i didn't fuck up I'm oh. nor- it's normal that's a very good ding <laughs> um so we have a lot of characters to get through so we're going to basically say the character's name a little bit of backstory as much as we want to give depending on the character mm-hmm. uh, i can tell you right now that my high level characters have a lot more backstory than my low level characters. i uh, i feel like we're in agreement here um, but it'll be interesting to see who because who, we we said you said that we have 140 levels to distribute between yes. so, so everyone the, could have so i will yeah. explain the rules of the okay showcase. sure <laughs> so you have uh, both billy and i had to make a character in each class we could pick any subclass that we want. We could level them up as how we wanted to. But you only had 140 levels to give out. So if you wanted to, you could make every character level 10. Mm-hmm. Or you could give some levels to other characters where other characters are going to be weaker. And I thought I would just do 10 across the board and make it easy. But it made a lot more sense it depending on each character. So much, yeah. yeah just... I have a level 20 character. I have an aspiring level 16 character. Mm. I have a level 1 character in my roster. Oh, shit. Was I, I only – the highest level I have I think is 16. And that was only because most of them uh, – the, most of the high ones are 15 and I just – Messed Do you some have stuff. any that are the same level? I have several that are the same. Okay, level. so I have none that are the same. Oh, level. Okay, okay, because I yeah I, I didn't yeah I I don't know what was it no oh yeah no one no one is above fifteen only because I well, we'll get into that because I don't think any of the characters are at their the end of their journey so to speak which I think a twentieth level character is sort of like that's the the culmination of a, a long See, long journey. I mean, yes, I agree with that, but I also disagree with that. Okay. Uh part of Then I don't know where you stand, Jesse. Well, the whole thing about <laughs> for me is that even at level 20s, level 20s are considered the most powerful characters you can make unless mm-hmm. you're doing the epic tier list yep. or but even then it's the the type of thing where level 20s are still people oh absolutely no they i didn't, I didn't have mean things to learn they still i didn't mean it in the do. sense yeah uh yes they can handle most se- uh, situations in a snap just by themselves but at the same time it's the type of thing where they still can develop as people and they still can change and learn and so i think it's important that we keep that in mind with every single character absolutely no for sure i i just always think of these level 20s as as mythical because i've never played one in a campaign before um <laughs> but we'll we'll get there yeah um so, so let's start let's start with level ones and we'll work oh up we're gonna start up. with the, the levels oh yeah. i thought we're gonna go by that's why i picked character. that's why i said the 140 at the, at the level mark you know that's a that's a good idea. So I think we're going to start do that. with our lowest levels okay. and we'll work our way up. So huh. level one, do you have any? I have no level ones. Okay, no. so I'll start with my boy. Yeah. So we're going to start with my monk. Uh, his name is Question. Question. Because okay. he's a changeling and he was never actually given a name. Nice. Uh, he is level one monk, so he doesn't have a subclass at the moment. Uh, right. That's that's. Um, mm-hmm. And the little bit of dialogue that I gave him, because I kind of tried to give each of my characters a dialogue to kind of like ump them up a bit, give them a little bit of life. So, oh yeah, no, it's very important. Not very important, but it's very good to have like a specific character voice, even if you're not doing a voice. It'll help you figure out. Okay, how does this person talk? It tells you a lot about the character. So this is the char- question. Mm-hmm. Hey, I know you're busy and all, but could we could, could we train together? I've learned the basics, but I'm not not very good. I dream of being this great adventurer, you know, like fighting the bad guys and helping people, but I I, I don't know if I'll get there. But I'm I'll be damned if I don't try. And that's question. No, it's, ah, that quote. See, you're sidelining me. These these quotes are great. I like <laughs> I like the idea of having a quote with your character. So, yeah, question is this uh, changeling. He doesn't really know where he fits in in the world at the moment. 
but he's this monk. He he knows how to punch. He's been in a few street fights, and he's kind of like making his way from being an urchin to really taking that next level and becoming that adventurer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. I think um, what I actually love, I had that uh, thought about that, is um, you know, people like a, a monk learning like how to f- street fight basically, and how their patient defense isn't like a you know a technique they hone. It's just like a, okay, I know this guy's gonna hit me. Like I'm getting ready to do something about it. I think that's pretty yeah. neat. Um, so I I had brought up the idea of having each character have a favorite drink. Yes, I um, do have a favorite drink. Okay, I don't, I don't know what, uh... He is too young to drink alcohol. Okay, good, so we... So, <laughs> uh, his favorite drink is the Shirley Temple. God damn it, you... God damn it! <laughs> I didn't re- I hope we didn't have overlap, but that's the, now we're already having overlap, it's fine. It's okay, uh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Even if we have overlap, it's fine. The Shirley Temple's perfect, it's but such yeah, a good drink. But he's, yeah, he's too young for alcohol at the moment. Mm-hmm. He's just, like, hit 18, so it's kind of... I, and at least my in my world, he's been the urchin level, so he could, has been offered it, but he's never felt comfortable. Gotcha. Plus, I think that alcohol, he wouldn't be able to help but change his form a little bit mm-hmm. as a changeling. Right. So. That's neat. I, say, I, the, I I like the idea. This, he seems like a very sweet young man yeah. or whatever gender they, they prefer as it's a, a changeling. It's a hint for <laughs> question is definitely a hint. Gotcha. Um, so here's what's one thing that I have that I've included for all of my characters is this is something that I – uh, really like as part of my character creation process is answering the following question: What do your what does your character have to learn? Because every every character uh, has a lot. right, <laughs> and that and that and the, the answer can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be. Because I think there are some characters that I have who don't really need to learn anything, and we'll get back we'll get into that when we talk about those characters. But like every character needs to learn something. Otherwise, they need something. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be out adventuring. Or if they did, you know, they're actively putting off something. If they're just, you know, rushing into danger because it's fun, you know, there's there's always something a character needs to learn or to to grow from. So I, I like asking that of each of my characters and seeing where the answer goes. Um, so, but yeah, he's got to learn a lot. Level two. You're gonna have if you have anything from here to level five, then it's okay, all you. Okay, so I do have a I do have a level three, and okay. then we'll get to your level five. Before I have I have I have nothing until level five. Gotcha. Uh, so my level five, uh, my level three, is my ranger. Okay. Uh, cool. so I have, uh, Yoguu. Yo Yoguu. So think of Goku. Uh huh. Mm. But Yoguu. Yogu. Yo, so all right. Y O K G U. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yo. Okay. Yogu. Uh huh. Um. Uh huh. He is. Uh. Actually, no. It's not a he. It's a they. Mm-hmm. Um. They are a swarm keeper ranger. Okay. Uh. From swarm keepers great. I. Uh. So the dialogue that I have for them is. I love bees. <laughs> They're great. They help make everything they touch. Well, minus the those that they sting. But they're super loyal in the end. <laughs> and their favorite drink is mead. Nice. Uh, uh, and the... it was the type of thing where uh, the reason for this character is that I, one of my first characters I ever made for a player situation, a, a player character, was a ranger. Mm-hmm. And it was a rogue. Yep. Uh, not a ranger. Oh. It was not a rogue. Ah, uh, words. It was a half orc ranger. Half orc ranger. And okay. one of like, and again, I've said this before, but someone shot the idea down, being like, "That doesn't really make sense for a half orc." Oh, and God. it was the type of thing where I was like, "But it's D and D. I can play whoever I want." This is where I do have to walk back to something I have said earlier in Natasha's episode. Um, despite the fact that I do think that they needed to do more with the race um, rules. This is I, I do have to say I did enjoy being able to go into the rules on D and D Beyond and saying like turn on optional race rules and just be like okay, I, who cares about the stats? I get the ancestry bonuses from like physiology, but then I can or the abilities, but then I can change out skills and ability scores to literally whatever I want that feels yeah. that fits the character. I will say that that does work pretty well, and I'm happy that it's there and officially part of the rules. But that's I think D&D, it's good. Uh, beyond how they implemented that, right? No, I'm saying like it just how. It, it it made a lot more sense now that I saw it in, as part of like a character creation menu, which gotcha. D&D Beyond is great. I'm I'm it, it has made me appreciate it more because okay. a lot of these characters I was just like, okay, I want them to be this, but I don't care about these stats. I just swap those out, and it was easy peasy. So I, I think that's great. But yeah, so uh, Yogu uh, is pretty much a homage to that first character, 
and with a little twist of being like they're super bubbly and they love bees and mm -hmm. that's how and like that's how they work is they are like they have their bees and they have the beehive that they carry on their back mm -hmm. and, well, that's their that's their swarm i take it yeah and that's really cool actually that's another thing that uh made me think of is character names i think there's a lot that um you can say a lot about a character that is from their name. Is there, is there anything in particular for the first two characters that sticks out to you about their name? So, mm -hmm. question. It's, it's very self-explanatory. It's, it's very self-explanatory. Uh, Yoku is very much a name I liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I I'm very much a fan of random name generators, and then just see, and then I'll actually take bits of one name and mix them with another. Uh, that's exactly what I do. Because yeah. it's I will just scroll through until I see. Okay, I like that name, but I don't like how this syllable or like this letter goes, and I'll just switch it out. Okay, no, that's, that's yeah. solid. So you're level five. Okay, so I have a I have one. I think I have only one level five. Um, a couple. I think I have one level six and two level sevens. But, yeah, I'm just going through all of them. Also, but while Billy's scrolling through all of them, uh, the whole purpose of this is to show you not only our character creation process, but also to show you how we manipulate characters so that they can have a role-playing focus, mm -hmm. uh, as well as just having fun with making characters. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, I will just spend hours just thinking about character concepts, yeah. and it's so much fun. And if you want to use any of these characters just message us we'll send you their stat sheet yeah i was i was i was about to ask you what your what your thought about that was but yeah feel free if you like any character that you hear about today feel free to use them as an npc and, oh yes definitely um, we let would us, be honored let us know that. how it goes let us know what kind of uh wacky shenanigans they get into let us know if they get killed that'd be fun <laughs> um but yeah so my level five character is my rogue uh, this is a new character. I had a couple of NPC rogues that I wanted, that I had for my current campaign, but one is, has some spoilers I didn't want to get into, and the other one was kind of just adding insult to injury with the, uh, he's the guy who killed four out of the five players, so. Ooh, ooh. And I, I also don't like him that much. He doesn't deserve a spot on this list. <laughs> so, uh, this is a, her name is Kalia, also known as Callie the Cutthroat. Um, she is an ASMR, but born into a family of elves. Now, I like the idea of ASMRs being able to pop in anywhere. Yeah, um, And they sense. can look like anything, and they feel like, you know, whatever. They still have this celestial blood that just sort of pops out and becomes the main sort of force. And I'm This is a question for you. Okay. Because I know Cell specifically has been in my world. Yes. And therefore, he has the forehead symbol. Yes. Did you carry that over or no? To... To your world. Yes. You did? Uh-huh. Well... Oh! Yeah. Oh, oh, of course. I feel oh, so happy. Oh, like, that is so inspiring. We'll get, when we get to my sorcerer, we'll talk <laughs> about that. But, um, yeah, so I'm tweaking things with, like, trance and whatever. But, so, Kalia you know, uh, is an ASMR born to a noble family of elves. Classic, because, you know, elves and, and nobility and all that shit. Mm -hmm. But uh, ever since she was young, she had dreams of her angelic guide that were telling her to she was going to do great things and protect the world and lead to help world peace and, you know, be achieved. And she was really excited about that. And she wanted to become a diplomat to help with large, uh, you know, large world issues. But unfortunately, her family didn't really believe her. They just thought she was a kind of a, a weird, freaky elf that just didn't come out right. Because, hmm. um, you know, a lot of the times ASMRs are treated as these like, you know, they're other. Yeah. They're, well, they're these powerful, these like, oh, this blessing from the gods. But like, from an elf community, they might not even have. They might say, "Okay, we know this, but this is this is weird. This is wrong. Like you're not one of us." Like, that might be a, a contention point, and for Google her, it is. Gobble be one of us. <laughs> Gobble one of us. But basically, you ever heard a corpse bride? Uh, okay. <laughs> this is literally like I I, had, I got inspired by by Corpse Bride, the movie where she runs away from a from an arranged marriage that would have you know for political purposes and a just tossed her wedding ring into as she ran into, uh, behind her as she went into a forest mm -hmm. and it landed in it was an unmarked graveyard oh wow and okay the spirits of the gra the lingering spirits of the graveyard took that as a as a like a like a binding promise that they she was now bound to this graveyard and thus started now that she had basically nothing to her name and had to start her life over again she 
was connected to the, these spirits and they taught her how to become a phantom rogue because the phantom subclass of rogues from gotcha. Tasha is fucking solid and just makes you think of Corpse Bride, but like, what if it's cool and gender swapped? And so basically she, uh, you know, learning from the deceased spirits how to fight and how to blend into plain sight and sneak around. And she's, you know, adopted this new persona of Callie the Cutthroat. And she's not particularly vicious or anything, but, you know, it, it stands to re- it, it's helpful to have um, a bit of a, a what's it called reputation to yeah. keep people away reputation um, yeah no and I, I really like that idea I, I, I don't know when or if she might show up in, uh, in my in campaign, campaign we'll, but see. we'll see um, what she has to learn well she's a very light concept so I don't really have much but I assume she you know the way I see her journey going is about addressing her insecurities her self-doubts the responsibility she has between her family and to what she believes to be a responsibility to the world to mm-hmm. make it a better place and you know, grappling with that selflessness versus familial responsibility. Oh yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, and uh, her favorite drink is a domaine, domaine, domaine la Romane Conte Montrachet Grand Grand Cru. I didn't get any of that right. It's the seventh most expensive wine in the world. Uh, in your several, world, okay. Uh, no, it, in the real world. Oh, in the real world. Uh, wow. I, looked, I looked up a list. Because <laughs> okay. despite her new lifestyle, she still has some, some tastes some of her taste, upbringing. Some, yeah. Of um, the finer things in life. <laughs> no, nothing can beat that. Fuck. They're all French. It's all French wines, and I can't speak French. But, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's Cali. Um, all right. I also. Do you have another level five? I do not. I have level sixes. Okay. So I have a level five, so we'll go to them, and then we'll go to your Hell level yeah. six. Because I, I have a level six as well, but I've already done. This is my third Yeah, we'll, we'll so. bounce back. So this is Kia. Kia. Wait, oh, wait, wait, or, I know her. Yeah, Kia, or known as Kai. Okay, yeah. The reason why some... I say Kia first is because it's spelled K-I-A, mm-hmm. but they're known as Kai. Yeah, because we, we had a, you played this character in a brief campaign of mine. And well, we, they yeah. started as an NPC before they were in your campaign. Yes, you I played alongside yeah. uh, uh, So Kai. Kai is a fucking badass. Kai is a fucking badass. So originally they were a champion fighter. Okay. But I've changed it. Oh, okay. It Make fits. her actually interesting. It, well, she was already <laughs> fuck fighters. She was great, she was but not because she was a fighter. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. But you recall how I made that subclass for fighter? Yeah. Oh, she's a gamba fighter. So she's a gamba fighter. Very cool. Uh, and like, so this, I I switched it to this afterwards. Okay, again, I'm going to give a bit of a backstory. Sure. I'm not trying to stereotype. Please believe me, I'm not trying to stereotype. <laughs> Uh, oh boy! All right, I'm gonna need a. Uh, can you can you give me a couple like <laughs> bit a bit a bit of the rum? rum's right there. Right, I'm gonna crack this open. Uh, not that one. Oh. You won't like that. Oh, I didn't even know what I picked <laughs> you, up. <laughs> I you, picked up whiskey. You picked <laughs> up some, like a, That's my. That's a ten year rye. You ain't having that. The I rum's like right that over either. there. The rum's got a little spout on it. Um, <laughs> so. She is comes from a cannibalistic family, mm-hmm. which is why I, I'm saying that I've created her before she became a Gamba fighter. Oh, right, right, right. Because I remember the coolest part of it was that campaign, which was yeah, full of bastards, but in a great way. <laughs> she was a cannibal. She's a, yeah, she yeah. comes from a cannibalistic family. Fuck and yeah. she did not agree with her tribe. Even though she was a cannibal, she did not agree with it. So she left her tribe. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, I the quote I have for her is um so i come from a family of cannibals didn't really like that lifestyle so i took up as a cell sword then a bodyguard then went along with an adventuring party for a little bit but yeah you need a sword <laughs> uh it? oh I, I, yeah nice yeah nice. she's very she's very much like this very laid-back chill person but she's fucking crazy. She's a bit crazy, but like uh, in a good way. I, so I'm a big fan. an example of this craziness is that because she's a cannibal and she knows that for most of society is not cannibals, mm-hmm. she knows that that idea fucks with people's heads. And so she uses her background as a way to basically fuck with people's minds mm. so when interrogating someone yeah. which i believe you remember yeah, that, i remember that. uh she su- shoved the heart of one of the enemy's friends into his mouth yeah no, that was uh that was a lot that was definitely that, a lot yeah. so um, she is 
Like she's kind of out there, but I love her to pieces. Uh, she she was very fun. Yeah, I uh, was a big fan. And God, I <laughs> I'm just thinking about that Always Sunny episode where they think they ate human and then they oh, became yeah, addicted yeah, yeah, to yeah, human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ate human meat. <laughs> oh, you think I? <laughs> oh God. Oh gosh. Actually, speaking, if you allow me to cut in for a second, I forgot. I, I want to do a, I want to do a voice for my characters now that you put it in. Sure. I just. Uh, but if one you have thing for, for Kai, yeah, sorry. I didn't... Uh, her favorite cocktail is oh, yes. the first cocktail we did on this podcast, Dragon's Blood. Dragon's Blood, yes. That's definitely the one that uh, I definitely remember that one. No, <laughs> <laughs> if you had given me a second, I would have probably gotten it. Um, nice. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a fitting one, a nice fiery uh, kick for a fiery Fiery lass. blood. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I was just thinking, like, I, I'll, I'll go through, I'll, I'll talk, I'll do, like, a description of the characters' voices, but, like, I assume that... Callie would mostly talk like this, very soft-spoken, slightly English, because uh, fantasy elves are kind of like oh, that. Oh, yes, fantasy elves but, are you know, very kind of always so- soft and subtle. Yeah, very keeping things very subtle. Um, subtle. You know, she, she wants to stay in the background and not really get noticed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, like, yeah. That's, those are the kinds of things that can really help if you want to build a character. Like, think of how they would talk. Like, what kind of words would they use? You know, it, yeah. it, it, it's cool. Um, so, level six. Level six. I do have one level six character. Um, <laughs> funny enough. His name is Kai. Oh, <laughs> um, hey, yeah, no, this, oh. is, this is this is this is solid. Okay, so this is the character I've, I've mentioned before. Um, if I was ever going to run a Taldore campaign, or sorry, be in a Taldore campaign, the I got setting, the guide. Let's you got do the it. Guide. Oh, can you? Oh, if you would run, I would. I, I would, no, we're already in. One I know. I was just like, I'm the I'm the forever DM. Everyone's like, oh, you can. Yeah, run. Like, I could run, but then I couldn't play. Okay, but I am okay. a forever DM as well, yes, which is why yeah. you are playing yes, in mine, exactly. and I will be guesting in yours. Yes. Um. So Kai Kai Loran, he is a half elf um from Taldore. He, so he's that character I, I made for that setting. Uh for those of you who don't know, Taldore is the campaign setting for campaign one of Critical Role. Um he is part of a tribe of druids called the Ashari, uh the specifically the Terra Ashari who are oh, I... Yeah, they are uh, they're in charge of guarding an elemental portal to the earth plane. And very cool. I like I like the Ashari a lot. I love druids. Um and He's kind of a naive dipshit, which is why he's uh, starting talking about level six or just relatively lower levels. Um, but he always wants to do his best. He really wants to to be a good leader, and he thinks that he can be the best leader for the Terra people. However, um, when it come, when it came time to choose the next leader who would go to the other three tribes in, in a process called the Aramente, um, it wasn't he who was chosen. It was the village chief's daughter, another girl named Kai, spelled differently, who was his best friend. But she always did everything better than he did. Everything, you know, she was always like one step ahead of him, always showing him up. And he, re- you know, he was just destroyed by it. So he decided, okay, I don't want to just come, I don't want to follow you around and just, you know, while, while you snag all the greatness, I'm going to run away and do my own Aramente and just try to beat her to the other three tribes and say, okay, yeah, I'm here for the Aramente. Oh, like, wow. Pretend taking that role and like doing a fake Aramente. And I really like that. I think that's very fun of like, that can drive a lot of fun little conflict. And it's funny because I also did a stat block for, for Kai, the girl, who's just like always, she's a, a stars druid, which is great. Um, She's always just trying to like get him to just chill and just be like, I, I want to help you. Like, just don't don't make things worse for yourself. And it's great. Um, he is a moon druid because he believe, he hears legends that they are the most powerful. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and he, she just needs to get ahead in any way he can. So gotcha. he chose the circle of the moon. Um, what does he have to learn? He has to take responsibility for his actions. You know, he has to accept that he's not perfect and he won't do everything right the first time and he can't just bullhead rush his way through he's everything. He's not the one supposed to take the Aramente. And that's fine. It's okay. He doesn't, you know, even if life doesn't go the, the way you expect, you got to figure it out and do your best to live a life that you want to live that may not be what you've envisioned for yourself. Yeah. Um, and his favorite drink is a Long Island iced tea. Uh, that makes sense. Because he's basically a frat boy. Like, he just loves to just get fucked up, so he's just, like, he's very irresponsible. And I assume he would he would, he would just mostly talk like me, honestly. <laughs> a lot of high energy. <laughs> he and just like, is you. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I'm always angry all the time. God, everyone's always better than me. I've got to be better than them. Oh, and also at one point he died, but uh, and that's, then he that's, came back to life. Well, as a vampire, and then there's a whole big thing about that because he he got he bit off a little more than he can chew and fought a vampire and they turned him. Um, it, it's the type of thing where do uh, the, the it's from Ice Age where it's oh the, quote, the quote uh, Ice Age 
three, I believe it Dawn is. Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Yeah. I was killed. Sadly, I was killed. But I survived. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. No, he, he was, this is what sort of set him off uh, on a journey of redemption when a kindly old cleric at the end of his life killed Kai with positive energy from, from a heel and then resurrected him and sort of said, hey, listen, like, you don't get, you don't get a second chance often. So, like, use it. And so yeah. that's, that's very, uh, that's, that, that's Kai. Um, I love him. I think he's a, I can't, I really want to play him one day. We'll get to that. We'll get we will, to that. You could have put him as your secondary. I could have been on as a secondary, but he re- like he really fits with the. So just so everyone is oh, yeah. aware, I'm playing. Ta- we're playing Tales of the Yawning Portal. Yeah, and so we have... uh, and I've set it up so that rather than they're going from adventure to adventure, they're telling f- uh, they're telling flashback stories, and you basically this allows players to kind of pick who they want to play as for each adventure so they have a primary and a secondary type of thing. Yeah, I, Just I definitely so could. people it's, know what we're he's talking got a lot about. Of, he's got a lot of Taldore flavor, though, so yeah. I feel like I want to save that, but we'll get there. So, um, yeah. My six? level six. Okay. Uh, this is Arshu. Arshu. Uh, for anyone who played in my Dragon Isles uh, campaign, which is a homebrew part of my world, mm-hmm. um, they will know this character. Uh, Arshu is a... Uh, cleric of the black dragon overrun okay overrun is a dragon who understands the necessity of fear Mm -hmm. and will utilize it to gain respect i wrote wrote a character like that once in my book sometimes you know evil good and evil are always going to exist you might as well have someone who who gets it he so he understands that uh that part and he kind of uses it to his advantage and he runs one of the islands and so he kind of rules over the city of Baphomer, which is the main dragonborn city on mm-hmm. the island, and then uh, and then kind of maintains order by using fear. Um, and he's very big a proprietor of order. And mm-hmm. so Arshu is a lawful neutral cleric okay. uh, of the Tempest, specifically. Gotcha. Uh, and they can't talk. Okay. Uh, because of the fact that in an encounter, which is past this point in the character's life at level six, they got their throat slit. Mm. Um, but they survived. Well, they were at one health point oh, okay. when they, they got healed. their throat slit. Gotcha. And uh, oh, someone casted uh, cure wounds on them at that moment, and it kind of sealed over, yep. but it but didn't it's... fix their vocal cords. Oh, okay. Interesting. So at that point, the character kind of is mute, mm-hmm. but at the same time is still able to hold magic in their mouth and channel the magic of the dragon god. Oh, I was to say, because cleric, you know, so yeah. it's cast, spell casting. Like, yeah. So they, even okay. though that they're mute, they still are able to communicate. They know sign language, and it's very much, I don't have a quote for them for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but their favorite drink is a dark and stormy. Uh, God damn it. Another overlap. <laughs> Motherfucker. We'll get to that. Nice. No, it's, 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 but yeah, so they're, they're, very, they're a very powerful character in my mind because they've taken such adversity. They've lived under a black dragon their entire life. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of pushed through that and really taken to become a cleric. And even though that they worship the dragon god, who it's kind of like the Pope of the Dragon God is the Black Dragon. Mm-hmm. They still worship the Dragon God in its full form rather than just the Pope and really go forth into that. Nice. That sounds great. It sounds like a very fun character. Yeah. Um, I can also see something really cool about like ASL or not I mean, ASL, but like sign language being incorporated into spellcasting where in, instead of doing extra somatic components. Exactly, of, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, very nice. Who is your sixth? I don't have any. Uh, that was my only sixth. It was oh. Kai. Uh, do you have any sevenths? Um, I have three sevenths, actually. Oh, boy. Yeah, just gonna... uh, how about you do two, then, and then I do one, one, and then you do your... Sounds third. good. And thankfully, there's not a lot to talk about with all of these, because the lower-level characters don't have a lot. But we'll go through. So first, in alphabetical order, um, my artificer. My, okay. Uh, he is a loxodon, a large elephant person uh, named... Te- oh, fuck, I can't even... I, can't, I wrote it down, but I can't pronounce it properly. Tethetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Teth, or Doctor Teth, to to his uh, his colleagues. Mm-hmm. He is a an alchemist uh, artificer. He is a doctor who practiced medicine for a long time before being un. He he became an, a conscientious objector to a grand war. Um, it, what's great, what I like about having certain backstory elements is that he's built for a um, 
my wild mount campaign where there's a huge war between a kingdom of drow and other such uh species creature races and a, the an empire full of humans and elves and like other quote unquote normal i don't like saying that humans elves uh dwarves and uh, uh, such yeah um races so like he could be in that war but he could be in any war you can put him in in pretty much anything um where he was a conscientious objector and only joined as a medic, not a complete non-combatant, to use his alchemical knowledge to heal the sick, but refused to create chemical weapons or anything like that. Uh, and after the war, he travels as an adventurer in order to save enough money for his retirement. Um, and this is so getting back to what I was talking about with what characters have to learn. Um, Teth like doesn't really have much in terms of like large-scale character development in terms of like oh he's you know fundamentally missing part of him. Um, he's a pretty well-grounded character. He could be a bit of a smarty pants sometimes, but you know he's fairly well put together and mature. So he's, but I think those kinds of characters make really, really great what I call reactionary characters, where yeah, they definitely. they can react to the rest of the party and help guide them in their development, um, and can benefit from, and everyone can get a benefit from that. I, I assume he talks a little bit like this, kind of nasally, because he has a you know, big old trunk. There you go. There you go. Let me check <laughs> you like out this. there. I, I think, like this uh, voice for this character. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I have any more salves left, but tell you what, put some ice on that, and we will talk about it tomorrow when I have enough rest to fix it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he can be a, little, a fun good. little guy. And his uh, favorite drink is eggnog. Ah, uh, alcoholic. Okay. He's just nice little spiced winter drinks. Yes. Um, he's, he's a fan of it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to talk about with, with him. He's just a, a cool dude. And, and that's, and this is where I was thinking of it. It's like, he, he's an artificer by profession, but yeah. like, there's not much about him. That's like, that screams artificer. I like to create, if I don't have a character concept, like a specific thing I want the character to do, I like to create the character first and then fit the class to what the idea I have of the character. So I yeah, thought he's a doctor. This kind of fits how like I talked about the background mm -hmm. to the yeah, class. Exactly. Uh, it does remind me, and we will talk about this game later on. It sounds like an inverse of a certain Blades in the Dark character. You oh, play. yeah. He is the artificer to He's your He's the artificer leech. version of my yeah. leech, yeah, from, oh, God. So the, we will get into Blades in the Dark. We'll talk about Blades in the Dark, and I'll talk yeah. about Jean-Luc Chantreau, oh, but we'll get there. Um, so, yeah, my the next one is my cleric. Um, she is a tiefling, a red tiefling named Shimmer. Um, mm -hmm. She is... From is another character, she's specifically built for for Wildmount, where she's from a coastal city called Nicodranus, a very yep. uh, bustling, very bright uh, town full of exotic mysteries and fun stuff going on. Um, she's the daughter of a cleric. She is the, the daughter of clerics um, of the Church of Rai, a phoenix goddess, a Ooh, of, nice. of redemption and yeah. compassion. And, you know, her, most of her life was – she's fairly young. She's only in her early 20s. But most of her life has been shaped by this large war that took place. And she saw a lot of refugees come from the Empire uh, because it's right on the border of, of the Empire that – what was she talking about? Um, and she just couldn't understand how anyone would want to engage in war that result in such devastation and loss, both human and – um, drow alike material yeah no like no like nobody won from it and all of her it went against everything that she had ever been taught as a as a acolyte of rai so she once she was consecrated and i guess that's, that's not the right word um once she was you know beaten, baptized she, she, basically this. she became part of the church and got established a connection with rai to become a cleric she swore uh not an oath but we'll get to that um she became a peace domain cleric from tasha gotcha. and joined up and tried to uh you know work on help negotiate peace agreements and save civilian lives as a medic eventually she joined up with another group with a group of like-minded adventurers and became a group known as stellaris mm. i'm real. i really like them they're really cool they're basically just tons of tasha's characters but most of them have some like divine connection like there's a paladin there's a celestial warlock um and her the peace domain is great it's great yeah. i love them so much um she also doesn't really, she has a lot to learn in the sense of maturity and gaining, you know, uh, some experience in the world. And, you know, a lot of her, you know, learning would come from like, okay, understanding that war isn't just in, I mean, war, I personally think war is pretty inherently bad. But, yes. you know, to not, her, her quote unquote flaw in that sense would be to not treat everyone who 
had any part in the war as inherently evil for engaging in it. Mm. There's a lot more complexity to it. A lot of people, you know, join up to because the military they pays money. well. Yeah, they, they yeah. pay well. They're going to be protected from, you know, they believe in their cause and they want to help their nation. And that can be, you know, depending on like, – it's a very it, it complex it, issue. It's a very complex issue, especially because – they are a third party. They right. come from a third party region. Right. They're not in the war. Exactly. Itself. So I think it's it's that's the character I would really see developing over the course of like uh, either a war campaign or in the aftermath of one. That'd be really yeah. neat. Um, Before you get to your third one, oh, I want to say my her favorite drink is a strawberry daiquiri. Ooh, very nice. She's a big fan of, of sweet and red. Do you need me to make one uh, for you sometime? Um, I would love that. There I would we go. Love uh, and uh, she would question. also she would talk like this. She's very very energetic. Um, not very like, I don't know. She's she's just very peppy. But like, when you don't don't you you fought in the war, huh? Oh, what was that like? You fought. You okay. fought. I see. You really you you, you put you, up fisticuffs. You're, you're real. You're real national. You you're real. You're a real nationalist, aren't you? Huh? Okay. And then it, it, yeah. it's, it's a just tone change. Anyway, gotcha. Uh, next one. What do you got? So I have Pepper Petal Shadow. Pepper Petal Shadow. That's, she that's... is a Kalistar. Nice. Yeah. Love Kalistar. From Eberron. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. She is a rogue. For those uh, who we haven't talked about Kalistar before, we yeah. should do a race episode. That'd be, that'd that be would, cool. We should actually do that. Um, talk about for a brief cults. introduction, they're basically uh, psychic. They have the connection to uh, spirits, the yep. Kuari um, race of spirits. They have some kind of – it's like ASMRs, but for, like, spirits. Yes. And as such, they have and like they also have like it's very much they're thought to be creatures of dreams. Yeah, they they're not connected to the norm. They connect to the plane of dreams instead yeah. of being instead of just falling asleep. And it's really really cool. Anyway, so we'll get to that. That is actually part of this character. They mm. are an arcane trickster. Ooh, nice arcane so, trickster rogue. Yes, they are an arcane trickster rogue. And the little thing that I have for them is dreams. They're tricky. They're fickle things. So, in an effort to be like a dream, I use my magic to be fickle. <laughs> Tricky. By the way, where's your watch? Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> my watch is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but that is that character. She's very much this essence of Trixie. Uh, she worships the Moonweaver, mm. uh, even though she is a rogue. Mm -hmm. Right, um, you know. Gods are really cool to think about, like who would worship what and yeah. like what draws people. I think that's a uh, we could do an entire episode on gods. She's very much this Trixie, uh, and she does she tricks people uh, for good. She mm -hmm. is a chaotic good character. She's a Jughead Jones type, as they say. Uh, Shout out to the four Archie fans who watch us. Probably not even that many. <laughs> uh, her favorite drink is a Corpse Survivor number two. What the hell is that? It's a very popular Prohibition drink. Oh, uh, a Corpse Reviver. It, no, <laughs> is it strong? It, yeah, it's yeah, strong. Yeah, I can imagine. Strong. Is it like a bathtub mint julep? It's an absinthe-based drink. Oh, neat. Which is the whole point of why I picked it for this character. Yep. It's mm -hmm. an absinthe-based drink, the relation dreams to dreams and hallucinations. and hallucinations. Very cool. And by the way, uh -huh. let's just get into this right now. Okay. I, I've probably said this before, but absinthe is not give you hallucinations. No, it doesn't. It never did. It never will. No. Uh, it is a complete myth and rumor. Do not believe the hype. It is very, very tasty. It's it a, a nice licorice. It was, uh, a it, was, it was a great scene from Eurotrip. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's a great scene from Moulin Rouge as well. Mm -hmm, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it it is very much a licorice flavored or anise flavored liqueur, mm -hmm. uh, and it can make for really, really great cocktails. But it will never make you hallucinate unless oh no you get so blackout drunk that you start hallucinating. Okay, well yeah, that's just any yes, type of but drug. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, yeah, that, you're right. Yeah, neat. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, very cool. I like. Uh, yeah. just, just... She's a very simple character. She doesn't have much of a backstory because of the fact that I like when playing her as an npc or as a character she's the type of one who just kind of emerges mm -hmm. she doesn't have a backstory yeah because the idea is is that uh whoever i i as the dm being the person to introduce the npc she's actually a dream mm -hmm. she's a dream manifested in reality oh shit uh that's and that's cool. why she has no backstory is because she didn't exist before one of the players mm -hmm. or the big bad evil guy okay. dreamed them up that's pretty cool i i love that trope i think that's a, like i love when 
characters are sort of just willed into existence by another character yeah. and like that interplay it was between a dream those two characters. so powerful that it brought a kalistar into existence that's really that's pretty cool i like that a lot solid yeah um, so what's your level seven uh final my, level my seven last character? level seventh is lerna the iron scale um he is a lizard folk a level seven lizard folk uh ranger and this is another new creation um a drake warden ranger because this is one of the um the newest unearthed arcana mm. type where they're basically they can um create a dragon spirit that basically they can use to, um they have a connection to dragons and it's really cool um not a lot of backstory, but I made all of this most of this up on the fly. That always lived. He lived in an abandoned swamp. He okay. just sort of moved around on his own and learned how to hunt and survive. And that's sort of a lot of his ranger training. But one day, while searching around, he discovered beneath the swamp is a set of ruins, an ancient, you know, some ancient ruins of draconic construction. Where he accidentally walked into the bedchambers of an ancient black dragon. Oh wow! Basically on the verge of death, but instead of being instantly killed. The dragon started talking to him um, and, you know, like was basically like, hey, wow, you you, you found me. I didn't ex- I, I just came here to die because it's an extremely old dragon, basically on the verge of death um, named Uvander the Iron Scale. And he is part of a group called the Sorrowborn, which were named after basically they were a group of chromatic dragons raised by metallic dragons to not be you know, inherently, not inherently, but to not be vicious and, uh, you know, uh, antagonistic to humans and other mortal races. Um, so they were, they were, they were said they were born uh, to sorrow. There was a sorrow to those who bore them uh, by the rest of the chromatic dragons, but it's just a group. And so Uvander's like, the one thing I want to see before I die is to know that my friends are okay. Or like to see, to pay my respects to them. And so, he tasks Uvander, not Uvander, sorry, Lerna. He gives Lerna some of his power, establishing that Drake Warden connection, um, and sends him on a journey to the other th- the other four dragons uh, that he knew oh, wow. and all those other ruins to basically just give off his last will and testament, essentially. Um, that's, a, that's a very interesting character, and I really like because that that works as a, that works as an NPC really, really well. I might steal that character actually. By all means, because me, yeah. that works really well in terms of this person has a a mission and they're mm-hmm. on a mission to deliver the last one testament yeah. to these other dragons, and so it makes sense for you for them to either interrupt what a party is doing or join a party because it's parallel to what they're doing right and i I really liked it you know the more i didn't think too much about it i was like oh i just need to make a character for this episode but like i really like this idea of like okay you know sort of messing with expectations of what you know dragons can be because chromatic dragons are usually thought of just being inherently evil but you know there there's complexity to the monster world and seeing this like sad old dragon who just wants to see his friends one more time before he dies is just I don't know. There's something very sad, but very human about that. Yeah. I think that's that's neat. Um, I'll skip over what he has to learn. It's just about teaching other people empathy for monsters or yeah. things that they think are monsters, but have a lot more complexity. We'll get to into them. that later for sure. And his favorite drink is an old fashioned. Old fashioned. Uh, he doesn't drink a lot because he's from the swamp, but he really he's a big fan of whiskey. Gotcha. And I uh, I assume he talks a little like this. He's a uh, a lot of sounds it hisses into them, but it's. I have a, I have a tongue thing. It doesn't Seeing really work. Billy's mouth move for it this character, it. it seems like you it wouldn't be able to do this for that long. No, 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 no. I would be saying, Lerna does this. And says, <laughs> I'm gonna talk like that. You know, yeah, you know. yeah. That's uh, that is a full facial restructuring <laughs> just to give do. a voice. Sometimes that's what you do. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so, how many have you given so far? Four. Three level sevens. Uh, level five. F- five. You've given five out. I've given five. So this is where we will take a break. Yeah, I was going to say, I was wondering uh, yeah. when we were going to take a break. Because we've both given out five characters, and we'll mm. come back and finish off our final seven. Yeah, let's Or do more. It. Eight, no, nine. It's, it's nine. Nine. <laughs> oh, we got a lot. Oh, we got a lot. <laughs> we'll be right back. Are you tired of being killed by mortal wounds? Are you passing in and out of the afterlife so often the gods had to install a revolving door? Do you have a poor relationship with your deity and would rather not face them every time you find yourself face to face with an owlbear? Then you need Death Be Gone. 
Death Be Gone is a revolutionary new spray that uses cutting-edge magics to create a perfect spiritual seal over your body. So the next time you're cut up by blades or bolts or spells, your soul sticks around for the long haul. Simply apply Death Be Gone once a day and tell your soul to sit its keister down before it thinks it can walk out on you. Death Be Gone, available in an apothecary near you. This product is not a medical treatment and should not be treated as such. Death Be Gone is not responsible for life-threatening situations users of our products put themselves in. Claims made in this advertisement are hypotheses based on limited trial testing. Side effects to this product include fever, sweating, loss of taste, loss of appetite, eternal boredom in a flesh cage with no hope of rest, and transformation into a demi-witch. Ask your doctor before using Death Be Gone. Tradition, honor, and fine craftsmanship. That's the cherry on top of Barrelborn Whiskey. Each bottle of Barrelborn is 100% malted barley aged in dwarven crafted barrels stored in the best climate of all, the mines of Astofar. It's the perfect dwarvish drink for any occasion. Weddings, discovering a mine, or defeating an enemy in glorious battle. Barrelborn Whiskey. Feel the power of a dwarf in your glass. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to DD&D, Dice, Drinks, and Discourse. This is a three-part episode, so we will be back next week with part two. If you like us, please leave us a review on either Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you find us. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. So please leave us a review, give us a like. Also, just spend some time, message us. We're happy to reply and answer any questions you may have. Until next week, thank you again, and we'll see you next time.